76th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP. I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we take country roads home with John Denver. Call on all janitors to wear the Colorado Rockies' new City Connect uniform. And special guest, Britt Davis, co-founder of Locker Room, that's LCKR, talks with us about creatives working in sports. And for this week's episode, I'm drinking a beer called High Five. It's a farmhouse saison from a local American brewery called The Farm Brewery at Broad Run in a little place called Haymarket, Virginia. This brewery is a fine place to spend a nice sunny day. It's a good brewery. It's a very long name, but it's in a very small place. <laughs> the place where it's located in Haymarket is actually part of the wine, part of the winery region in Virginia, which is actually not too far from West Virginia. Country road, take me home to the place I belong. West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take me home. Country road. That beautiful rendition you just heard <laughs> is John Denver's 1971 hit, Take Me Home, Country Roads. Are you a fan of John Denver? Yeah, me neither. But I, I like a couple of his songs. I like a couple of his songs. Did you know that Take Me Home Country Roads is actually West Virginia, the, the official West Virginia state song? And they, they actually adopted it back in 2014. But we're not. this is not an episode about John Denver or West Virginia. But like I said, Haymarket is actually not too far from West Virginia. But unfortunately, you can't watch professional baseball in Haymarket anymore because... There used to be a collegiate summer team called the Adelaide Senators, but they only played from 2006 until 2015. And the Adelaide Senators actually won their league championship, which is the Valley Baseball League Championship, back in 2009. So cheers to the now defunct Adelaide Senators. Cheers to the memory of John Denver because he actually has two state songs. Did you know that? Not only is West Virginia adopted one of his songs as a state song, but the state of Colorado also adopted Rocky Mountain High as one of its two state songs. I mean, why does a state need two state songs? Make up your minds, people. Go with one or the other. I'm just I just took a swig of beer. And you know what? If the Adelaide Senators were still around and they had social media, they would be blowing up all of the their accounts uh, celebrating their 2009 championship. But you know what? They're not around anymore. But you know who's still around? This podcast. And we are on social media. Our Twitter handle is at HPP4040. And our Instagram account is Hipster Baseball Podcast. Give us a follow. Block us. Do whatever you want. And if you want, you can also check out this week's show sponsor, Chess King Department Store. Think about it. The world on your mind. The music on your mind. Chess King on your body. The country on your mind, the game on your mind, chess king on your body. Tops and jeans now on sale, two for $45. Check it out at Chess King Department Store. I might check it out this weekend. I mean, what else am I going to do except watch some baseball and have a beer and go to Chess King Department Store? And maybe at Chess King Department Store, you'll find the latest Nike City Connect uniform. You know we've been following all about all of this 
every single time a new City Connect uniform comes out for these baseball teams. And in the latest segment of Styling and Profiling with Ric Flair, fashion and sports, I'm talking about the Colorado Rockies, Rocky Mountain High, John Denver, and their new City Connect uniforms. The Colorado Rockies are the latest team to show off their new Nike City City Connect uniforms, and they did it on Saturday, the 4th of June, at home versus my Atlanta Braves. But it didn't go well. The Braves swept the Rockies in all four games. Well, no, the Braves swept the Rockies in the four-game series is what I actually want to say. Right now, the Rockies are in last place in the National League West. They have 25 wins, 32 losses, and they're 12 games behind the first place Los Angeles Dodgers. And they've lost six of their last nine games. Things aren't going well for the Rockies. And to kick them while they're down, which you shouldn't do, but the reality is that they are dead last in Major League Baseball with errors committed. Their best pitcher, Herman Marquez, he's struggling. He started 11 games. He has a 6.49 ERA he has a 1.59 whip, which is walks and hits per innings. What is it? No, walks and hits per innings pitched. Basically, every time Marquez goes to the mound, every single inning, he's averaging a runner and a half. Every single inning. Eventually, those guys are going to score, as you can see, by his ridiculously high ERA of 6.49. And this four-game sweep by the Atlanta Braves is the first time the Rockies have suffered a four-game sweep at home in Coors Field since the Pittsburgh Pirates did it in late August of 2019. So things aren't good right now for the Colorado Rockies. But what about their Nike City Connect uniform? They're losing, obviously. They're not good. But are but do they at least look good? These uniforms are going to wear every home game on Sunday for the rest of the season. So what's this uniform look like? As you're looking it up on your internet machine, I'll also describe it to you. The uniform is mostly pine green. There are, there's a mountain backdrop on the jersey, and it, the, mountain, the mountain is in green, and then on the upper part of the jersey is white. And the word Colorado is written across the chest in white. And the player's, the player's number is on the lower left side of the jersey. The right sleeve has a yellow patch with ROX rocks, short for Rockies, obviously. And also two black diamonds for you skiers out there, which represents the double diamond skiing because a lot of people go to Colorado and Idaho and Utah, etc. Whatever. But a lot of people go to Colorado to ski. Me not being one of them. I don't ski. I'm a beach guy. <laughs> and on the left sleeve, they have the CR logo interlocking, obviously representing Colorado Rockies. And the, the pants, again, pine green, white belt, there's purple piping down the sides of the pants and also purple piping around the sleeves. Part of the inspiration was the Colorado license plate, which I don't like. If you've guys driven around the country, you've probably driven behind someone with a Colorado Rockies, Colorado Rockies with a Colorado driver's license, driver's license, Colorado's license plate. Or maybe you have a Colorado license plate because that license plate has a deep ground mountain, apparently iconic. Uh, who knew? I didn't know. Jim Kellogg, the Rockies Vice President of Community and Retail Operations, said, quote, We modeled the jersey after the Rockies license plate. Because obviously, wherever you're at in the United States, if you see that plate, you know where it is. That's Colorado. It represents the mountains. End quote. People, this City Connect 
Rocky's uniform, looks like a janitor's uniform. When I was watching one of the games, I could almost hear the janitor keys jangling when the Rockies would walk back to the dugout after a strikeout. <laughs> look, look for, let me say first and foremost, much respect to janitors, sanitation workers, etc. This country would fall apart without those maintenance workers, okay? I'm not making fun of them at all. I am making fun of the Rockies' uniforms. <laughs> I don't like it at all. At all. When you've, I'm sure by now you've looked it up. It doesn't make sense to me. But I actually do like the hat. On the front left is a of the hat. On the front left of the pa- is a patch, which is based on what you see driving into the state of Colorado. It says, welcome to colorful Colorado. And col- the word colorful is in rainbow colors. And the hat is green with a white front panel. And the letters C-O are embroidered as part of the logo. Because that's the, if you're sending a letter or a postcard, which not a lot of people do these days, obviously the postal abbreviation for Colorado is CO. There's, in that same hat, there's purple mountains, there's blue skies, there's red, gold, purple, etc. Kellogg went on to say, quote, we wanted it to be a classic look, a Colorado look. And there were other ideas bounced out there. Going a little more wild or crazier than this, but we thought this would appeal not only to our younger fans and the younger generations, but we thought it would appeal to our older fan base, end quote. Mr. Kellogg, dude, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. I don't agree with you. The Rockies aren't good right now. I don't like their uniforms. (laughs) So your question may be, who's going to wear the Rockies Nike City Connect uniform in the future? Is there help on the way for the beleaguered Colorado Rockies, the organization, the fans, etc.? Maybe. The Rockies farm system isn't that strong. We talked about the Rockies farm system back in episode 66. MLB.com has them ranked as the 24th farm system out of 30 teams. That's not good. They have a young outfielder by the name of Winton Bernard who is with the Rockies AAA affiliate, so one step away from majors, the Albuquerque Isotopes. I love that name. It's very. It reminds me of the Simpsons. Of the Simpsons. <laughs> he's 6'2". Right now in AAA, he's hitting 397. His on-base percentage, which is my favorite stat, just get your butt on base, is 436, which is amazing. He has six home runs. He has a couple of stolen bases. There's hope. There's also hope with a, another young third baseman, also with the Isotopes, called Colton, Wel- called Colton Welker. He actually made his debut with the Rockies last year, but now he's this year he's back with the AAA Isotopes, and he's hitting 324, his on-base percentage, 422, 422. And he's only striking out 15% of the time when he's up at base, which is actually pretty remarkable considering how baseball has been going now. You know, he's had some injury issues down with the Albuquerque Isotopes, but there's hope. And the last young player I want to highlight is a 20-year-old Venezuelan shortstop by the name of Ezekiel Dolat, who's with the double-A Hartford Yard Goats. I absolutely love minor league baseball team names, the Hartford Yard Goats. He's a really, really good defensive shortstop. In double-A, Ezekiel Tobad is hitting 317. His on-base percentage is 393. He's been hitting, he's been having a bit of a slide over the past week or two, but he's already hit 12 home runs this season. 
and three of those have been game-winning home runs. So young man is clutch. Ultimately, the real question is, what do you think of the Rocky City Connect jersey? As you already heard, I'm not a fan, except with the hat. The hat, I'm debating whether I buy the hat. But again, I'm not a Colorado Rockies fan, but I really like that hat. Overall, I've been really disappointed with Nike City Connect uniforms that the San Francisco Giants have rolled out, that the Chicago Cubs have rolled out, that the Los Angeles Dodgers, now the Colorado Rockies. I don't think they're creative enough. I don't think they actually interlock with the city and its history. But you know what? Our next guest knows all about creative design in sports. Today we have Britt Davis as our special guest. She's a co-founder of Locker Room, which is a creative content platform. Britt, welcome to HVP. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, how, what, what you currently do in sports, or what do you do for your many, jo- many jobs and many hats that you wear? <laughs> yeah, so um, with Locker Room, um, I'm general creative in the, the space of sports and entertainment. Through the platform Locker Room, I do a lot of uh, illustration. It's kind of my specialty, the thing I like to do the most. Um, I've also kind of dabbled in branding for different teams, uh, different figures in sports custom shoes, sneaker design. I've done uh, content planning, memes, like uh, just really a lot of different things uh, that align with creativity um, in the space of sports and entertainment. So lots and lots of different different things in, in, that, in that space. So. I noticed, yeah, that you've done a lot of work throughout sports, college, professional, all, all the different, basically every single sport. And I really liked, you have a design well, you know, you, your team have a design that you guys did for the Kansas City Monarchs, which is a legendary mm-hmm. Negro baseball team. And yeah. I don't know if you know, but just recently, the Kansas City Royals, the the, the, the current baseball team, they, they they unveiled a City Connect jersey. Yep. And it was like art. It was like Art Deco inspired. And I, I like the jersey. I like the uniform. But I felt like they missed an opportunity to celebrate or to harken back to the Kansas City Monarchs. And when I saw yours... I immediately made that connection. Like that would have been great if you had been asked by Nike to, to do something for them. Yeah. Like one day I would love to, um, like that's, that's kind of on my bucket list is to do a uniform at, at any level for any team, for any uh, league. Like if y'all out there, like holler at me. Yeah. That, that particular logo, um, it kind of ties back to my uh, thesis project from graduate school. When I was at SCAD, we had to do a, graduate thesis uh, as part of our um, a program for the MFA. And I decided to do mine on what would be the centennial of the first uh, Negro uh, League World Series. And it's one of the teams was the Monarchs. And the others um, were the, uh, the, the Homestead Grace. When I did that project, it kind of propelled me into the space of not just sports design, but sports research and history, and kind of really understanding the background of why fans enjoy sports and how aesthetics and nostalgia plays a role in that. And when I got to do that, the logo that you're referring to, it was for um, kind of a contest. The I think it's called the Design Super Bowl was the name of the opportunity. But they kind of pair you with the designer and they give you a team and you do a logo or redesign for that particular team. So mine was paired with uh, Jason Craig, who's a um, amazingly talented um, designer, illustrator in Augusta, Georgia. 
and we were given the um, Kansas City Monarchs to kind of reimagine what that would look like. So that was the mark I came up with. And it was super dope, not just to do the project, but to kind of pair up with Jason, because uh, I really, really admire his work. Oh, that I, I encourage everyone to look that up. Uh, Britt Davis's Kansas City Monarchs logo. I think it's brilliant. And for those Thank who you. aren't in the art world or don't know the South that well, could you explain what SCAD is? Oh, yeah. Sorry. So SCAD is the Savannah College of Art and Design um, art school down here in Georgia. Um, Savannah is the main campus, obviously, but then there's also campuses in Atlanta, um, online. Um, they have one in Hong Kong and I think France, somewhere in France. Um, but it's just a big old art school. Uh, I think SCAD is also looking to open up a campus on Mars. Once, yeah, they, they probably, they, once Elon Musk taken... gets those rockets <laughs> up there. Yeah, it will be, it'll be a commuter campus. So you've lived in Georgia and Savannah. I think you're in the Atlanta area now. And I saw, and I read that you are a graduate of uh, North Carolina State. Yes. And okay. the obvious question to you having experience in Georgia, North Carolina, the obvious question is, who has the best barbecue? So barbecue is actually my favorite foods ever. But I'm also also very well-traveled person, uh, especially in, in the, the South. And Growing up on North Carolina barbecue, you know, it's it's my favorite, but I respect regional barbecue for different things. So North Carolina chopped chop barbecue sandwich with red slaw um, on a bun with some hush puppies and sweet tea. Can't beat it. Like, that's that's my favorite. You're making me but, hungry. <laughs> but when it comes to, like, ribs or, like, brisket, I lean, or smoked sausage, I lean a little bit more towards like a Texas style, like, but it's like, to me, it's, they're all completely different. So I can't say, well, this one is better than this one because they all have such a different flavor to me. And then I really, you know, coming from like a background of like, well, my, my family's like Gullah Geechee and we have a lot, a lot of Caribbean influences in like the food that we cook. So like, then you have like Caribbean style barbecue, like with your jerk chicken and stuff like that. So I like all types of grilled, and smoked meats. I will not turn down anything on my plate that has been grilled or smoked and smothered in some kind of savory, delicious, smoky, spicy sauce. So, but my favorite is chopped barbecue from North Carolina. <laughs> not only are you creative with the, on the computer with sports, but off, I'm sure you could uh, be very creative if you're if you applied yourself to the barbecue as well. But go. I mean, I'm actually pretty good. I, I'm a, I'm a pretty decent cook. Um, I know how to make sauce very, very well. Uh, and I'm grilling. Like, we we just got a grill. I got my boyfriend a grill for Christmas. And we've been breaking it in with just different things. So chicken and steak, smoked sauces, and then just basting it in the, all these different types of sauces. So after design, you know, I might just open a restaurant. I don't know. Like, Well, you, know. you can hire yourself to do the logo. It would be fantastic. Yeah, the, the logo is, like, already done. It's, like, it's just a matter of finding the space in a kitchen. <laughs> and permits that's true you have a very strong academic background in as we had just mentioned in the arts and creative graduating from north carolina state and then going to savannah which is a fantastic art school i'm creative and i love the creativity i I love art where did that love come from i think like my earliest memory with like the arts and creativity um i think i was like maybe five or six and i'm the first child the first grandchild niece 
all, all of that. So I got a lot of attention. But um, even as a kid, you can kind of tell when grownups are giving you attention it's because you're cute, but they're also giving you attention because, you know, you've got something. So I would go and play with like, you know, my Play-Doh or just my coloring book, drawings, you know, whatever. And the adults would be like, this is so good. And I'm sitting there, oh, you know, I'm a kid. I'm like, hmm, okay, it's good. But is it really good? And then my teacher started saying, you know, we're going to put you in this art show. Um, and then my mom and dad would start taking pictures of my stuff. And like, we're, we're like capturing these moments. I'm like, hmm, okay, maybe I do have something. So once I got into elementary school and I started really being able to compare what I was creating with what other kids were creating, I'm looking at my stuff to their stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Like, I got this. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. And starting to get into art shows uh, in school, you know, getting to travel to regional art shows like in elementary schools, like that's when it really starts to wake you up inside to say, okay, you got something. And that's when you, my parents really, really started to notice and invest in um, me as a, an artist and a creative. So kind of exploring like, well, she's really good at drawing. Like, you know, what kind of stuff can we, we do with that? You know, there's painting, there's architecture was a big thing that they, you know, we're looking at because everyone knows architects. And then just letting me experiment, you know, Lego would build with those. I still do um, Play-Doh, different types of art sets. But it was it was an early age. It was really early. And it was just always cultivated and supported, you know, by all the people around me and just to get better and better. So it was I was really young when it when it really stuck me, struck me that, you know, I'm, I'm creative and I, and I like it. I love the fact that your family encouraged and nurtured this, not just passion, but this obvious talent. And uh, as, as now, as we now know, all, all of that work propelled you to these great schools, these great creative art schools. So where, how in the world do you, are you able to, to be an outstanding creative artist? And then you somehow managed to fuse the sports world with college, with the college sports and also professional sports as well. How were you able to do that? I, I, because I, I'm, I'm one who I really don't like a lot of the designs that they have for sports teams or even like championship wear when they have like the designs or the logos that some of the things I, I think are kind of wacky. I would never have thought if you're creative, you actually could have work in sport or if you work in sports, you can actually be creative. How, how did that come about? So the, as far as like the connection of creativity and sports, for me, it really, I guess it was always there, but I didn't really think about it until I got to the college and even though I was already doing it. So when I was in high school, uh, I used to love getting um, and re flipping through East Bay Magazine. So that's back to like the sneaker connection too. So I would see like the clothes, the shoes, and I would have it in my sketchbook. I would just like redraw the things in the magazine that I wanted. And then I started like coloring uh, my drawings, kind of coming with my own like color schemes for the, the gear in the, in the magazines and same with the shoes. And I love dressing down in sports gear too. Like I was never really athletic, well, not really, but I was not athletic. Um, my family, they, they're all like athletes in some capacity, but me, I was always not. I just like to look like an athlete. Um, so like my Adidas jacket and my pants or my Nike and all that stuff. Uh, when I wasn't wearing my uniform for school, I was decked out in like my sneakers or a jersey or something. And so I had always appreciated and 
loved the aesthetic, you know, because it was just it was just cool. It's what everybody you know was wearing. It was just you know cool to to look at. And when I got to high school, you know, I'm playing with this idea of you know, am I going to be an architect? Am I going to be an artist? Like, what am I really going to take my talent towards? You know, when it comes to my education. And my uh, art teacher told me about industrial design. And so I was like, hmm, okay, you know, what is that? Um, is it factories? Like, is it machines? Like, what is it? Um, but it's product design. It's basically industrial designers design, like, basically all the things except buildings. So electronics, hats, shoes, soft product, furniture, like, they, they cover it all. So once I got into that program at NC State, um, I really started leaning towards designing sneakers. Like, that was the thing I wanted to do because it really combined the things that I really loved, I loved shoes. Uh, I loved designing my own things, like putting things together. I was really interested in material, colors and everything. And I felt like sneakers was a really expressive space within that area to, you know, cover all the things that I liked. And so once I really started diving into sneakers, it was like, oh, okay, athletic gear, uniforms, you know, people are actually designing those things. So I was like, Hmm. okay, what else are they designing that I'm not thinking about? So by the time I graduated and got my first job uh, at a university, UNC Charlotte, they had a, they were getting a football team a couple years into me working there. And we were doing some rebranding around our homecoming programming. And I had started kind of looking at like, what should the look and feel of our homecoming logos and stuff look like? And as I'm doing this research, I'm kind of coming across this common theme of, of sports logos. And I'm like, man, these are really, these are kind of dope. Who's designing these things? And then I started like, I'm a research nerd. So I, like I can dive into stuff and I'm, I'm finding the names of the people actually designing them. And then I'm looking at their portfolios and their line of work. And I'm like, this is really, really dope. And it's tied into stuff that I really enjoy. I could be doing this. So at that point, I'm like, okay, let me figure out like, what do I need to do? Do I need to go back to school? Do I need to um, just start playing around with stuff? So I did, I kind of funneled different projects and passion projects to how I could form my own portfolio based on some of the stuff that they were doing. So looking at rebrands for teams, um, designing jerseys, little stuff like that. And then that's when I decided, you know, between the research and just building the portfolio and trying to understand the industry a little bit better, I think I should go back to school. And I also went back to school because uh, working in higher education, I really want to teach one day. And I was doing a little bit uh, at the time, but I wanted to do it a little bit more intensively. So I decided I'm going to go back and get my master's so that way I can teach the university level. But then I can also kind of expand as a creative um, and understand a little bit more about what goes into it. And I dedicated my entire under, or excuse me, my entire graduate experience to my building experience around sports and entertainment and understanding that aesthetic. And so um, it took me to conferences and got to meet a lot of people and the, the same people I was researching, uh, I got to meet at a conference called Creative South. And uh, long story short, I ended up on stage with them um, because I won a trivia contest uh, around sports design and just got to chop it up with them a little bit and kind of show them my portfolio. And um, 
end up going to New York that following summer for graduate school to connect with uh, one of the designers, uh, a legendary designer named Todd Radom, who's done Super Bowl logos and team logos for like a whole bunch of the industry. He ultimately became my mentor, um, my design fairy godfather, we call him the Todd father. And he's the the gentleman I got to do the uh, Jackie Robinson logo with. So it's like, it goes from being kind of mentor, guided me through this process to we're doing collaborations for the MLB, uh, you know, some almost seven, eight years later, maybe almost a decade actually when I first met him. So long story to come back to like, to all those things of like, it's just this seeing these things around us that are inspiring and then diving into the research aspect of how do these things get created? Who is creating them and wanting to be like them? So it's a lot of research, um, a lot of passion projects, and then just a lot of um, networking to really kind of break into it. I love how you kept almost like pulling on a thread that you you graduated from college and then you went go went to go work for uh, uh, UNC. Is it was it uh, uh, UNC Charlotte? Charlotte, yeah, the the Forty Niners, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah, yep. The UNC UNC Charlotte Forty Niners. That gets you into you wanted to see who in the world is doing this stuff, and yep. I love you going to conference, meeting people, putting yourself out there. I I love stories like that, and yeah. you, you both. You, from my perspective, it seems that you have a foot in the creative world and another foot in the sports world, and you can just pivot. I, it's almost like it's the 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 options are almost limitless, and it, it's it's again it's something that I never would have thought of a creative in sports <laughs> or a sports person in the creative world. Yeah. But I also want to ask you uh, again, being being able to straddle these two worlds, you you individually, you being a female, you being a minority, what is you what is beyond being tremendously driven and having amazing research skills, what is your experiences been in someone in your position of, like I said, uh, being a female and a minority in both the sports and the creative world? I'll say like it's not been anything um, traumatic or trivial, I'll say. But when I first started, it was definitely like you look around and you're like, wow, OK, I'm the only one here. Um, hmm. But everyone's cool. You know, everyone was cool. Like when I had met Todd, he, you know, he always like spoke my name up in any room he was in. Like if I was coming to a conference and there was people he knew there, he would always like, hey, you need to look out for this uh, young lady. Her name is Britt. You know, she's amazing. This, that. So when people would come over to me, are you Brit? And I'm like, yeah. He was like, oh, Todd told me this, this, and this. And I'm like, whoa, like, Todd said that about me? Like, what? So I'm going into these spaces with, um, you know, allies and, you know, support. And it just, you know, made the transition into that space feel more welcoming and inviting. And it's, like, amazing to look now to see the range of people, diversity in the industry now, and just how collected and tight everyone is because we're so bonded by a very specific area of design it's like it's sports design it's like it's a almost a world within its own sometimes outside of you know if you've worked at an agency or in-house you know in, in other corporate areas it's a very unique space to work within so I think as the diversity grows and enhances it's like we're all still kind of connected it's still got its things we got to work on but we're all still kind of bonded by that common experience of what it's like to work in sports design because it can be a beast sometimes I, I can't even imagine and I tip my hat to you 
we obviously want to be cognizant of your time. So I have a few questions to ask you before you go. I want to remind everyone that not only do you currently work in sports, but you've also started, like you said, like I said earlier at the top of the interview that you, you and a partner started a a creative uh, content platform called locker room. And that's actually spelled L C K R not actual locker. Uh, I'm more amazed every time you, every time you're, you're, you're telling us stuff, a question I have for you is what advice would you have to someone wanting to go into the, the creative world or pivoting into the someone who already has a career but wants to pivot into the sports and graphic design world that you currently inhabit? The biggest thing I would tell anybody for, honestly, any industry that you're trying to get into is just do the research and kind of have an idea of what that industry is about, you know, from the aesthetics to the the hours that it's going to take to kind of work in that industry, um, whether you're going to work for an NBA team or NFL team, like just understanding the, the scheduling, you know, if you're doing it from a freelance perspective or even an in-house perspective, it moves very fast. So um, the types of projects, especially if you're coming out of school, the types of projects we do in school, you know, you've got a quarter or a semester to really dive in and do the research and really think about it. Once you're really in the world of working as a design professional in sports, things move quickly and they pivot a lot and quickly. Being insightful to the culture uh, around sports and how that culture plays into um, how you create, uh, just being in tune with those things and really being confident in the type of work that you're gonna be pushing out because depending on you know where you're working and how you're working, you may be speaking up and selling your ideas, your creative ideas to people who may not have a creative background. So they're not always gonna understand and they might even dismiss what you're trying to push and your insight and uh, connection to that subject and that sport might be tighter than theirs, but if they're seeing it through a different lens, whether it's you know marketing or sales or, or, or whatnot, um, you have to really be able to sell it in a convincing way and speaking their language. So really being able to um, wear a lot of different hats when it comes to communication and understanding the different audiences you're going to be speaking to. So, you know, you have to speak to the fan and you have to speak to the the person that actually has to approve the the concept. And you have to speak to, you know, yourself as a creative a little bit too, but keeping that in check because what's culturally relevant to you and really important to you, you may think it's like the best idea ever, but it may honestly not be the best idea or concept to go with what they're they're trying to sell. And part of creating Locker Room was really creating a space where, uh, like a lab, where, you know, my, my partner and I, uh, her name's Kayla Pettis, where we could really kind of experiment with different things um, creatively, and then just have a platform where we could really just bounce creative ideas off of each other. And what I love about working with, with Kayla or KP is I may have an idea and she may check me on it. I was like, okay, we're gonna push this idea, even if it's just something for fun. It's like, you know, why this idea? Why now? And we can take a lot of what we learn from this lab mentality and questioning, you know, while we wanna do the project and then even apply it to, you know, real world stuff that we're dealing with. And it just kind of makes us stronger, you know, as creatives and um, kind of keeps us grounded as well. Like we have fun, but we also wanna make sure that we're utilizing the time that we're putting into this project for something bigger in our overall creative development. So even once you get in the industry, you're always going to keep 
developing and growing. So, you know, it's just great to have a platform to do that. And then a, even better to have a partner to kind of build with to um, you know, just kind of keep us in check on, you know, what we're doing. Absolutely. I did my own research as well, just like you did. You're a great researcher. <laughs> and I found out that you were a big sneakerhead. What oh, yeah. is your all-time favorite sneaker? So my all-time favorite sneaker is the uh, the OG, the Air Max One. For a couple of reasons. One, I just love the silhouette. Uh, Tinker, he 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 was in the bag when he did that one. That's like just it's just unchanged classic, and it looks good in so many different colors. Um, Very true. And then I just the other kind of biased reason I like it. It came out in 1987. And that's the year I was born. Actually, two days before I was born. Air Max Day is uh, March 26th. You know, it was written in the creative stars. It just, you know, it just, it just was like so. Even before there was Air Max Day, it's like knowing these things, and then when you actually have Air Max Day, it's like Air Max Day, and then like my birthday, like in the same week. Sometimes Easter slides in there as well. So it's just like all these things that I really enjoy, like all in the span of a couple of days. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And we were talking about barbecue earlier, and I, I always love talking about local breweries on the show, local ice cream shops, local food. What's one of your, it doesn't have to be the best. It's just like, what makes you feel comfortable? What's your, what's one of your go-to places in the Atlanta area for food or for a drink? As long as I've been here, I've not like nailed down one. I've got like my North Carolina favorites, like that I must have when I go home. But like in Atlanta, like when people are coming to visit, I usually take them to this place called uh, Fat Mats. It's like a kind of a hole in the wall type place, barbecue spot and blue barbecue and blue. I'm sorry, you, you said Fat Max. Fat Mats. Uh, okay. M A T T. Yeah, Fat Mats. Okay. But they have really good ribs, and they have the, it's a really rich tomato based sauce, and the ribs are just like literally falling off the bone, and then they wrap it up with that white bread. Oh, it's, it's so 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 good. Ooh, it's good. And I, I don't know what they put in the baked beans, but they're amazing too. Potato salad, like just everything's amazing. And then my other spot that I always I like to go to, but it's like it's always so crowded. Mary Max Tea Room. It's like a old Southern traditional restaurant with like just every Southern dish you can imagine. Fried chicken, smothered pork chops, smothered turkey wings, rice and gravy, like mac and cheese, yams, like just the bread that basket that comes with yeast rolls cornbread and a cinnamon roll oh god like my nutritionist is probably going to hear this and be like you better not be messed up but it's so good but those are like two of my favorites uh, brilliant i will definitely i'm gonna definitely note, note them down when i go down for uh yeah. an atlanta braves game atlanta braves game oh, yeah. which i love they're, they're, they're good they're very very good yeah Britt Davis, I really enjoyed this conversation. I want to thank you for your time. If you want to take us away and let everyone know where they can find you on social media, talk about uh, and, and also your your locker room company. Yeah, so um, I am Britt Davis seven hundred four on all platforms: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, probably also LinkedIn. Um, but if you just type Britt Davis or Google me. The only other person that pops up is, um, I think, like a Broncos or Texans football player and Sammy Davis Jr.'s wife. So, you know, I'm neither one of those people. Um, so I'm pretty easy to find. And our other platform, Locker Room, um, L-C-K-R-R-O-O-M, uh, on Instagram, Twitter. We're also on LinkedIn, TikTok. I think we even have a Pinterest account because we'd be trying to, like, post inspiration. But we're, like, literally everywhere. And we're on Dribble. We're, we're on Dribble as well. So. We're out there. Or you can find us on our website at uh, 
LockerRooms.com. I want to thank Britt Davis for joining us today. And I also want to thank two new listeners from Bangkok, Thailand and Hayward, California. Thanks for listening to the podcast where we talk about baseball, drinks, groundskeeper Willie, and everything else under the sun. Share the podcast with your family and friends. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. My drink will be in the episode description and on our social media accounts. Join me next time for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Bye.